Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Star Chat. Another episode. Jared Sandler and Ari Temkin with you right here on 1053thefan.com. Jared, I uh, was in the locker room with the Cowboys yesterday and today. Got some interesting sort of observations or anecdotes. Um, and I, I love your locker room observations. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like a detective. I just go in there and observe. I observe the people, the way they interact. It's, it's, it's kind of uh... creepy in the locker room with their <laughs> towels on and all. It is really weird. Like it's such a weird place, a, a professional sports locker room, you know? Like it's, it's just, there's people all around. They're kind of standing around timidly. Like, should I go interview him? And then there's guys like, trying to make it look like they're not approachable at all. It's just, it's a very interesting environment. Well, what's weirder, professional sports locker room or the locker room at the JCC? Professional sports. Where you got all the old men getting ready to go into the seam room and, uh, you know, just walking around without a towel about (laughs) about a head in the shower. Well, professional sports, because it's not like we're there for a re, like, we're there for a reason, but like, it's not like when you're in a, JCC locker room or any, any gym, YMCA, whatever, whatever you might be. It's, uh, I like how I'm trying to reasonably answer this question. Like, no, 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 I have, no, I have so an yeah. actual answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something that Jason Witten said that I want to get to later because it's, okay. it's kind of off topic, but it's really, really interesting. And I want to talk about it before I get to it, before I don't, I forget about it. Let's do it. But, but here is from a Cowboys perspective, this has been, a, a, a seemingly a, a death march for this team. I mean, they've lost three straight games. This, it seems like there's just no chance for anything to change because they haven't really done anything to create that sort of inertia. Um, and, and yet sort of the locker room ideal is, and the prevailing thought from inside that locker room is, and and you can tell that this is what the coaching staff is saying because you're hearing it from a lot of guys. Like they 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 keep going to down the well of hey we've done it before and we've been successful at it so we just we just have to continue to do what we do and we know we're going to be successful at it and that is just so it's like the perfect metaphor for. This team under Jason Garrett. It's like, well, we've had, Garrett's had success in the past. And even if it, there is success this season with this team, it just seems so hollow. Like you just want to scream from the mountaintops like, hello, you got to change something, do something differently because you've done this the last three weeks now. And, and what makes you think that suddenly things are going to change because, well, we've been successful before. Yeah, man. I agree. I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't want to like steal your, you know, that's a great opening monologue. I don't want to kind of get in the way. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you're right, dude. And 
it is kind of crazy. It's almost like the fact that they've been in the driver's seat of the division this whole time has enabled them. You know, maybe if uh, they're chasing the Eagles in week eight and week nine, it forces them to reassess things differently. But they really haven't been in that spot, right? You know, they've constantly been in first place. And right. they always talk about, we got to win the division. And, and I guess, you know, uh, you can spin it however you want, and you and I know, and the fans know that just winning the division for this team isn't necessarily good enough. But you know, you know, in that locker room, what they're selling is, "Hey, we're going to win the division. We'll get in the playoffs. Anything can happen. We know we can compete with anyone." And you know, that's listen. I mean, it. it I guess in some respects that's fair. But you're right. Uh, they. This is not working, and it is very, very, very tough to win a division in the NFL with as underperforming a bunch as this group has been, uh, whether you want to put it on the players or the coaches or the front office or a combination, but that's the reality. This team's going to win the division, but they're going to do so in the most underwhelming fashion in franchise history. Uh, and I, I, again, I, I think we brought this up last week. I don't know what the narratives were like in Seattle when the Seahawks went seven and nine and won the division. And then ultimately beat the Saints in the first round of the playoffs. But I can't imagine people were necessarily thrilled about the way the season unfolded for that Seattle team. Uh, and you know, yeah, they got lucky and whatever. And that was the beginning of their march. But for the Cowboys, this was supposed to be a year where you didn't just get in the playoffs. You made some noise in the playoffs. Right. And so, uh, it'd be one thing if this was a team that's been bad the last few years and we thought they were going to be really good. But they they haven't been. But you know what? Hey, they're going to be back in the playoffs, and we're pumped, and we can build on this. But that's just not the arc of this team. This team was supposed to be really good and a force, and that just hasn't been the case. And you're right. It seems like there is, whether it's a lack of willingness to change or a lack of uh, awareness of what to change or how to change within the season. And we, we hear about this too, right? Like, I think one of the things, the last thing I'll say about this, is we've heard before the narrative with the Patriots. Oh, this isn't their year because they lose a game in week seven and they're five and two, but man, they were embarrassed and they've got all sorts of holes and this and that. And what do they do? They go on and they win the Super Bowl or they, they end up uh, going 13 and three or whatever. And maybe they don't win the Super Bowl that year. But I do think there's something to be said for not just in game coaching adjustments, but in season right. coaching adjustments. Right. Uh, and I don't think this, this coaching staff has shown the ability to do that. Right. And, and it's sort of funny now to look back and think that like we or I, I in particular, like I thought that that would change this year. I, I don't know why. Like I, me that, too. I, I feel, I feel so stupid. Like why did I think suddenly that would change for Jason Garrett, a guy that's never seen that and in, in his most important year to date as a coach, why, why would he suddenly change something so dramatically when that has, when that's not how he is? And it's just not like, I feel like coaches like Jason Garrett are just slowly but surely dying off in the NFL. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and this isn't what I wanted to get to on Witten, but Witten was talking about the Belichick Saban show on HBO. And, you know, he was talking about Belichick and things that make him great. And he was talking about the adjustments. And you just hear, like, a player say that. And, like, Belichick's old. He's an old school guy. But 
just the willingness for some coaches in the modern NFL to make adjustments, to, to, to install specific game plans to specific opponents. Like guys like Jason Garrett, you're just not going to win playing the style that he wants to play with, which is this is what we are. This is who we are. We're going to win playing this way because we have one playing this way. That's not how the modern NFL is played. It's too multifaceted and too, as we've discussed, chameleon-esque to be able to just show up and play your style and win a game when a team's adjusting for what you do best. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I think we're on the same page, and I, I think that there are a lot of people on the same page, and uh, something's going to change you know, it, it will happen. Unfortunately, I wonder if it's just going to be too late to squander what could have been a, a season uh, with you know much more uh, potential than what's being fulfilled right now. Should they should they be making a coaching change? Like I feel like a broken record here, but should should Jason yeah, Garrett yeah. have been fired? I thought I thought that if there was a time to do it, it was after losing to Chicago because you had that extra run, runway that we talked about. You had that extra time with it being a Thursday game and not playing again until Sunday. Uh, the following Sunday, and that would give you time to give whoever that interim coaches a chance to to ease in. Uh, but you know, and I understand the argument of well, it's not like they have anyone on staff who's been deserving, and you might not. But I guess you got to ask yourself the question: Are You just going to let this thing ride out? Are you? Yeah. I mean, is that you know you're right. you kind of know where this thing's going, or do you want to just see if you can spark a change? Because sometimes. Like, I don't know for a fact that there is a better suited head coach on staff than Jason Garrett, but I do know that sometimes really good head coaches, and you know what? At the end of the day, as much as it's going to frustrate people to, to acknowledge this or hear this, Jason Garrett's not a bad head coach. Uh, he hasn't been able to take this team to the next level, and, and maybe he's a, a bad head coach or not as good of a head coach in 2019 as he was five years ago as things have evolved. But it's not like he's some horrible head coach. There are plenty of teams. I, I do believe that if Jason Garrett got fired, he'd be snatched up if he wanted to be pretty quickly. But that's, you know, so whether he's the best head coach on staff or not, he might be. But sometimes you just need a change. Sometimes you just, you just, you know, you've been zigging and it hasn't worked and you just need a zag. And, and so that's kind of what I like to see. But at this point, I mean, you're just going to write it through and, uh, you know, you'll win the division probably, uh, because Philadelphia doesn't want to be playing the playoffs. They all have like vacation plans or something. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. You'll get your ass kicked by some team in the first round. I, I do. I wouldn't say Jason Garrett's a bad coach. I, I, I guess what I'd say is I think he'd be a good college coach. Like I think, you know, the style that he coaches with, the whole, like, we're going to show up and play the style we do and win, like, that works at the collegiate level. It just doesn't work. Because, like, you could you could be in the Power Five and have that style, and you might not be a, a championship caliber team, but you're going to win, you're going to win nine, ten, you could win nine, ten games a year and go to bowl games. Like, that, that style works. It's not going to work in the NFL. And Yeah. No, that's fair. Do you have anything positive to say about this team moving forward? No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I guess you go back to the fact that uh they're still probably going to win the division. That's kind of positive, right? Uh I I guess what what's their positive to say about this team? Um Well, 
I can say that Byron Jones, who came to this past week swinging for a cause event, is a better football player than golfer. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> I don't know. I There's really not a whole lot right now. What is positive? They get to play three more football games, and then we're going to have the offseason, which sucks. I mean, yeah. so Jordan Lewis created another turnover, but he's been getting his ass kicked in the slot, so I don't really know that that's a positive. Do you see any way that they beat the Rams? Other than the whole, like, God, would it not be the most Cowboys thing for them to show up in a big way against the Rams narrative? Right. Like, I look at the way the Rams are playing and the way the Cowboys are playing, and it's really tough to foresee. But I I, I guess I'd say this. Here's how they beat the Rams. Uh, I am I am not in the Jared Goff camp. I really never have been in the Jared Goff camp. My thought on him last year was that they designed such a well-oiled offense that he was constantly throwing a wide-open receivers. Uh, and he did make good throws last year. Don't get me wrong. This was not like uh, Jeremiah Masoli at Oregon where he never threw to a receiver who had a defender within six yards of him. Uh, he did make some nice throws, but it was a very well-designed offense, and it helped him get rolling. I don't. I think Jared Goff is a very ordinary quarterback. Uh, I think he's he's in like the he's in the top part of that ordinary group. I don't think that he's in this like top group of quarterbacks in general. And if you can, what we've seen from Jared Goff is if you can disrupt him, if you can confuse him with blitz packages or pressures, uh, you can get him moving. He's going to make mistakes. And if he doesn't make mistakes at minimum, he's not going to be able to make good throws. Uh, and so that's how the Cowboys win this game. They win this game by, uh, just, absolutely wearing Jared Goff out because unlike Mitch Trubisky and unlike Josh Allen, who were able to use their athleticism to really uh, kind of counter that at times, Jared Goff doesn't have that ability. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the one way I look at this and say, this is positive and here's how they can beat them is the one difference last three weeks is Dak. You know, it's, it's like their defense hasn't been good all year. Their defense has been average to below average all year. Their special teams has been brutal all year. So, like, these things, these problems are heightened even more so when Dak looks as bad as he's looked the last three weeks. But that's, like, if Dak plays the way that he did up through 11 weeks of the season, and he's not missing throws, and he's not off target, and he's not making the wrong reads, like, then he, then they could, they have an offense capable of putting up 30 plus points and beating anybody. But, yeah. But if he does what he's did, what he's done the last three weeks, which is, not throw well, not throw, not get the right reads, throw off target, like those things, like they don't have a shot. And that's, that's been the issue. Like they, they've been pretty consistent all year. The major difference last three weeks has been Dak Prescott. And, you know, I don't know if it's his hand is hurt or whatever it is, but that's, that's the positive one. And two, that's the way the path that they win. They can outduel Jared Goff in this, in this Rams offense, assuming that, Dak Prescott can put four quarters of good football together. They can score some points. Absolutely. No, you're right. What what scares you about the Rams? What's the uh, and not to say not to frame it like uh, this is a bad team. What's the one way they beat the Cowboys? But what's what scares you? What matchup scares you most? Is it the way the Rams ran on the Cowboys last year? Like. It was a varsity team against a sixth grade team, or is it uh, Aaron Donald in the line? Like, well, what what gives you the most fear that this is just going to be a decisive Rams win? 
I would say the the fact that their coaching staff is constantly adjusting to what you're doing and and the Cowboys don't. So when you couple that with a team that's playing good and confident, that's that's a scary thought. Like the Cowboys are going to yeah. go and be like, "This is what we do. We're going to punch in the mouth, and we're going to you know blah 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 blah." And the Rams are going to adjust. I, I'm I'm frightened of Wade Phillips against Jason Garrett or Kellen Moore. Like that that scares me a little bit. Um, and I'm I'm yeah I'm I mean Todd Gurley's playing much better, and I mean he's clearly a better back than C.J. Anderson. So yeah, that that's frightening. There's a lot of frightening hey. things about this game. Ari, we haven't really talked about this at length. What's your assessment of Kellen Moore so far? Or let me, or maybe the better question is, how accurately can we assess Kellen Moore so far with who his boss is? It's, I think it's pretty difficult to assess him. I, I would say that the, the assessment is pretty mixed, but I also, I, I think it's so difficult to gauge because we just don't know how much you know, Let me ask you this. The coach is influencing. You and Kellen Moore at a bar, and he's drinking some truth serum drink. And you ask him, Kellen, how much were you able to do things your way? His response would be, man, Ari, if I had full control, I would have done things. Would it be a lot differently, totally differently, somewhat differently, or not differently at all? Like, Where, where on that spectrum, what, what would you think his response would be? I would, I would think that Kellen would have the autonomy to scheme and help this team come up with wins when they've had losses. Like the Vikings game stands out to me as one of those. The Saints game stands out to me as one of those where it's like, if you give Kellen the full autonomy, does he scheme a win out of this game? Yeah. So the, the, the answer to your question is a lot differently. Right, not, not that, not that it's like a percentage base, like it's 75% different. It's just, like, if this team had two more wins and two less losses, we would be thinking about them completely differently. And I do think that you can go back to two specific games and probably more than that and think, oh, man, if if Kellen Moore had, you know, the ability to adjust himself, these games would have turned out – like, the Vikings game should have been different. They should have won the Vikings game. They, yeah. And, and I want to believe – I guess I want to believe that that's the response – like, that that's Jason Garrett and not Kellen Moore. So it, it kind of sucks that we don't really know we're giving Kellen Moore all this credit and, and, and giving Jason Garrell his blame. And, you know, and it's, it's just difficult to sort of remove them and, you know, take out individual pieces of that from, from the whole thing. Yeah. But I, I'm a firm believer in you hire a new coach, you allow that coach to hire who they want. And obviously Jerry Jones is not. So we'll see what happens. You should own the Cowboys. Are they for sale? Yeah, they're uh, at the dollar store. You can get them for four ninety nine. Maybe really maybe deal. you and I. You want to split it? I'll, I'll come up with two. You can come up with the two ninety nine. I'll give you a majority share. But I, I don't know anything other than that might be out of my price range. <laughs> so Jason Witten was talking about the the social media component of the Belichick Saban. Um, show on HBO. And, and, you know, if you remember, Jason Witten actually wrote about this a little bit last year for ESPN. He wrote an article on social media, if you recall. Yeah. And so he brought up one sort of interesting example to me of the ways in which a social media can impact sports in a way that I had never thought about it because it's so like, 
uh, har, 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 social media, it sucks, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just so easy to say that, that like, I think if you can add a different perspective, it's, you know, it, it's, um, I don't know. So the example that he gave is, you know, when he's like, when Dan Marino was playing, there weren't every, like he could do things that wouldn't be posted on social media in training camp, right? Like he could, he could, he could work on things. And he didn't have the fear that that would then be reported and written about and be a topic. And like what he's saying is that's kind of gone. You know, there's so much over analysis and so much coverage. And there's like, that's a part of the NFL's popularity that it's like, you have to almost look at different ways to get better because a lot of the ways that which players would get better was by doing things that maybe wouldn't produce great stats on a practice level but that's sort of where we are when it comes to social media and reporting a training camp in particular and like just the freedom to be able to do things and work on things when like the outcome of that drill is not for success it's for like you're not trying to complete the most passes or get you know get the most touchdowns and yet like that's not the 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 approach that the media would take in covering that and i i just thought that was so interesting to look at one of the ways in which, you know, social media has completely transformed sports and and to a certain degree, like the competition involved in sports. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, I guess I don't, I've never really given it that sort of thought. I do think that there are definitely ways that uh, teams operate across multiple sports differently now in the social media era than before. Uh, and the way narratives change, you know, I, I think, uh, social media and instant reaction to everything, which is, you know, this falls into that category definitely, uh, is a beast that players, coaches, front offices deal with. They can try act like they're above the fold and they ignore all this. They don't and nor should they or, or nor do I expect them to. It's not easy to do that, but that is interesting. The, uh, the pace in which the manner in which you're able to go about things post social media era versus pre-social media era. And then that's a, uh, that's a pretty, I guess, insightful thought and, and certainly an interesting topic that you could do a deep dive on and get some pretty interesting commentary on from people across the league. And, and again, across multiple sports, probably. Yeah. And I, I know some people would look at that and be like, well, I mean, just don't just work on your things and don't worry about you know, the reaction from people, but it's, that's such an easy thing to say and not really something that's practical in the real world because these, you know, these narratives can take hold and there's a lot of power in them. I think beyond just like they're being reported and discussed and talked about, I mean, these are impactful things on an organization and, and on the psyche of a locker room and on a coach and how he has to adjust. I mean, there's just so many pieces of that where you can't just be like, just, just ignore it. You can't, it's impossible. And then yeah. how that impacts the locker room and how guys feel. And I mean, it, it's, there's a lot to it. And I think in college, you have a lot more control over that because you have close, you basically have full autonomy to do closed practices and what, you know, what you can basically give the only as much access or as little access as you want. Whereas the NFL, you're kind of beholden to the standard bylaws of the NFL and the type of access that you have to give. So I, don't know, I just found that to be interesting. And we, we just hear no, so much. I do too. We hear so much Henry over social media and it's like, well, what's constru- – is there anything constructive within that scope that's like, you know, interesting, I guess. And, and I think that's uh, that's interesting to me. 
Yeah, no, that's really interesting as well. I'm glad you, you shared that because I think that's, listen, I, Jason Witten, I probably didn't do a great job on Monday night football. Uh, I tend to think he was also, uh, teamed up with a couple of guys who maybe don't belong in that role. Uh, but I, I do think Witt's, uh, a, a pretty insightful, intelligent person who's, you know, when he talks, I still listen. And, um, I, I think that, is uh um I think that that's again that's an interesting little piece there from the future head coach of the Cowboys. All right, Jared Sandler, Ari Temkin, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Jared Sandler or at I Ari just, Sports. I just you just let that go, huh? <laughs> future head coach of the Cowboys? You didn't you didn't want to bite on that? You got kids. You gotta change a diaper or something. I get it. <laughs> no, I mean I five years from now. Five years from now? Whoever replaces Garrett doesn't last forever. Jason Witten takes over. Yeah. I, um, I thought it was a tongue in cheek comment, which is kind of why I let it just sit there. If I'm being, I, listen, if you ask me who the head coach of the Cowboys would be in six years, uh, I think Witten's got to be up there. Like if you were to do an uh, odds prediction, uh, Jason Witten's got to be in Vegas's top eight. Mm. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I would say like, when it comes to like the immediate future, he's probably he's one of the top on the Vegas list. The question is, does he feel the need to get hair transplants to be the head coach <laughs> or implants or whatever it's called <laughs> or other implants or transplants or trampolines? If you could transplant anybody's hair onto your head, who would it be? Uh, ooh, that's a great question. Uh, it's, Ooh, now you're really like, I, I know you probably didn't want this to be a long, a long No, thought. I mean, but I that's, mean, that's a really, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways you can go with this. Next week on Star Chat, I will answer that question. Wow. All right. I like Jeez. that. Give us a full week. That's going to, gonna, that's going to keep them coming back. Our hair talk. By the way, congratulations. You raised how much money for the Special Olympics? Uh, well, we raised again, $25,000 for the Special Olympics. Uh, the Sandlot Children's Charity as an organization raised $114,000 with the help and support of everyone. Uh, it's, it's obviously not, I don't mean this to be like, you know, throw out axiom after axiom, but really right. like you don't, you know, you don't do this by yourself. And, uh, you mean you didn't just uh, write a check for $114,000 and just be honest? God, I wish I had that money. Yeah. I wish I had that money. <laughs> Hey everyone, come hang out at Top Golf. It's all on me. Don't worry. I'm just gonna write a, an arbitrary check at the end, so we keep growing and growing. No, it, tremendous support, and I appreciate it tremendously. I just used the word tremendous now three times uh, in a span of ten seconds. It's tremendous, uh, but though. it is tremendous. It, yeah, it, uh, overwhelming. We had a great time. 114,000. It's it's really gonna help make a difference. Uh, we got some big plans that. Hopefully I'll be able to announce in the next few months what we're going to do as, uh, as a, as an organization to, uh, influence, impact and, and support kids with physical and intellectual disabilities. So I appreciate you being there and your lovely wife, Margo was there. Uh, and, uh, you were not partying with Jim Montgomery, which is good. And, uh, yeah, we had a blast. <laughs> See, you had, it's like we're getting the ad and then you, then you had to throw the Jim Montgomery thing out there. And I've had, so many people be like, what happened with Jim Montgomery? What was the deal with Jim Montgomery? So many people. 
It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but it's funny how people just assume that I know everything and I don't. But, um, yeah, so $114,000. It's incredible. It was a really cool event. It, 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 I hope that it was bigger this year than it was last year, which means that it was even bigger next year. And uh, it's inspiring stuff, Jared. Uh, there's Thanks, no doubt I appreciate about that. It. It's really cool. You want to know what's also inspiring? Garrett Cole for the next nine years of his life will make a hundred thousand dollars a day. That's inspiring. That is incredible. And he yeah. doesn't even have to pitch every day. Did you know that? I don't know if you yeah. knew that. He doesn't have well, to play most, every day. Yeah. Most of the days of the next nine years in which he makes a hundred thousand dollars, he's not pitching. He's not doing anything. I mean, he's working hard. He's a hard worker. That's true. But he went to UCLA. <laughs> so not that hard. Yeah. No, I'm a big Garrett Cole fan. But Despite the fact that he went to UCLA? Yeah, because USC inexplicably didn't recruit him. It was like one of the dumbest things that three coaching staffs ago did. But whatever. I'm not bitter about it or anything. <laughs> Follow Jared on Twitter at Jared Sandler. I am at RE Sports, RI Sports. Of course, make sure to turn it on and leave it on 105.3 The Fan. And, of course, check out 1053thefan.com for great podcasts, news, and information. And finally, and finally, the Dallas Cowboys pregame show for Cowboys and Rams starts at 1230 on Sunday from the Miller Light West Plaza. It's going to be a beautiful day. Maybe they'll open up the, the roof and the doors for 70 degrees and sunshine on Sunday. Postgame show to follow with myself and Brian Broaddus. Make sure to follow along, of course, in your home for the Dallas Cowboys. 1053thefan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.